0: Blog Talk Radio The prisoner
1: wishes to say a word
2: hours' time, Troy Davis will have a lethal injection that will put an end to his life despite serious doubts whether he even committed the crime. His planned executions highlighted the divide over America's policy on the death penalty. Davis was convicted of killing off-duty police officer Mark McPhail 22 years ago, but witnesses who testified against him have since retracted their evidence.
0: We cannot believe that the Board of Pardons and Paroles is allowing a person to go to his death despite the fact that serious doubts about his guilt remain unresolved
2: almost a million people have signed a petition seeking clemency with supporters including former president jimmy carter pope benedict XVI, and nobel peace prize winner desmond tutu and
3: let this be a case that not only highlight the death penalty but you know will hopefully be a big part of bringing the death penalty to an end in
2: Georgia. Right. <laughs> Civil rights activists suggest race played a part in his original conviction and that death by execution is a step back to the old days of the deep south. Prosecutors have upheld their decision to go ahead with it tonight meaning the protesters' vigil could come to an end.
4: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen of America. The prisoner has something to say. AJC Radio takes a look at prisoners and the unheard voices behind the wall. Tonight we take a look, what if, ask yourself this question, what if what prisoners had to say was taken seriously? Tonight AJC Radio takes a moment as we look at the unspoken words and the spoken words of those voices that have been silenced behind the wall. Folks, hang on to your seats. AJC Radio kicks off right now. And welcome in. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, William Williams, and the AJC Radio team. And tonight, I'll tell you, this is a humdinger. As we take a look at the, really, our system, our criminal justice system, judges sentencing judges, you name it, that simply refuse to hear what those who claim their innocence are saying. And perhaps if we could open our minds, uh, perhaps we would have a better system and we would have less crowding in our prisons. It's a major problem. Why have the voices of prisoners gone unheard? And we're going to visit that tonight. Before we go there, our disclaimer, we are not attorneys and a Just Cause does not provide legal advice. Please contact your personal legal advisor for your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily affect that of a Just Cause or AJC Radio. As always, we want to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend a little time with us this evening. And also, Lisa uh, will be joining us uh, remotely tonight, and uh, we're happy about that. So uh, as we get ready to get into this, Dennis, we talked a little bit uh, just about the silence uh, the silencing weather uh, of about uh, of the situation where people just are not, that what they're saying is not even listened to. It's one thing to hear, but if you're not listening, uh, that's a big problem. We're going to be sharing a little bit tonight along uh, some of the statements and sentencing from the IRP6 to include David Banks, uh, Kendrick Barnes, uh, and also Gary Walker. Uh, what they had to say at sentencing was profound. And anybody listening versus hearing, would have heard without a shadow of a doubt that these men were innocent, Dennis. And and this is something that we have to take a look at. Yeah, and I just don't—I really uh, just, uh, as we were talking earlier, uh, again, I just don't think no one's listening. Uh, uh, Once someone is supposedly convicted uh, automatically, no matter what they have to say, it doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, there's so many people that have been exonerated, and you've seen that. I mean, we've had mass exonerations— and that tells you that even though someone's convicted doesn't always
5: mean that, you know, that, that they actually did the crime. Well, you know, and I agree 100 percent with Dennis saying, you know, it, the, the, the what we are understanding, what we were initially taught was that they're innocent until proven guilty. And we found that that is not the case anymore. Once they are they are convicted, they have no voice, they have poor representation, and no one cares about – you know This person pleading for their life, and and we've seen – we saw record exonerations in in 2015. We're continuing to see them more and more, and it, it's almost constant. People have said, I remained innocent. I, I said that I was innocent. I was not – I did not do what they said that I did. They convicted me. It went on for years. I, I maintained my innocence, and no one gave them any kind of credence. So then after – you know, two and three decades of sitting in prison, wrongfully convicted, now it's proven that, yeah, they were not there. They, they were not the ones. DNA either exonerated them or some situation or circumstance. And we've seen it more and more in high-profile cases. We saw it with Ryan Ferguson. We saw it with uh, uh, Anthony Graves. We see more and more and more where these people that have been wrongfully convicted, they've maintained their innocence from day one, but nobody listened to them at all. And it's it's a tragedy. Absolutely. And
4: then when you finally get someone to listen, I mean, uh, look at the amount of time it takes to exonerate somebody. I mean, I'm talking with DNA evidence, all kinds of evidence. I mean, proof that this person is innocent. But yet it takes decades. Yes. I mean, you know, with the assistance of those, you know, those willing to assist or to help. But it's just amazing how these judges and these Prosecutors will do whatever it takes, regardless of whether innocents have been proven, to keep those people locked well, up. Well, without question. And tonight we're going to be joined by Antoine Day, also a gentleman wrongfully convicted, uh, and he's going to be coming on. It looks like uh, at the top uh, of the next hour, we're going to be joined by Johnny Lee Savory. Spent thirty-six years in prison for a crime he did not commit, and I guarantee you he was being vocal that he didn't do it. That's right. Uh, but his voice also went heard by a uh, uh, wide tonight the show. Is a pr- the prisoner has something to say, and the prisoner has a word. We're going to get into that tonight as we dig into the. It, I mean, this is something very troubling to me. And you have men that have sat on death row, death oh. row for over 30 years, saying that they didn't do it. And had something not happened, they would have uh, they would have died on death row. That's the truth. Because someone did not listen. Someone did not hear. This is that is uncomprehendable to me. And I said the other day, even though this isn't a death sentence show, uh, it's the death penalty show rather, that is critical of prisoners' words being silenced, nobody listening, people having a preconceived notion of a man's guilt or innocence. As you said, uh, the presumption of innocence, that bus left the station a long time ago. It does not apply. You are guilty if you are arrested. Because I tell you what, if I'm, this is the truth of the matter. If I'm truly innocent until proven guilty, why am I arrested and handcuffed and put in jail? Why do I have to bond out of jail? Why do I have to have on my record that I was arrested for something if the presumption of innocence is what you say it is? Doesn't make a lot of sense. If I'm totally innocent, I don't go to jail, I get a citation. You got to appear in court. That's right. Why am I getting locked up? Why am I spending time in jail and I don't have the money to bond out? I'm punished before I'm ever found guilty. We talk about the people that were uh, killed in custody, cops pulling people yep. over and shooting them. They haven't even been convicted of anything. That's right. That's the truth. What are we doing in, with our system? And that's something we're going to visit tonight. This is a, a outrage. It's a tragedy. Uh, I met a young man yesterday uh, at the courthouse on some traffic matters. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, he told me of a story. He said he was driving down I-25. He's in the middle of traveling. I talked to him before this show. We're going to be doing a show uh, about the targeting of police officers of just everyday people. You know what I mean? And he said he ran a traffic a traffic light. I don't know where that he ran a traffic light. The cop pulls him over, slams him in his on his mother's hood of of, a, of his mother's car, which was a Lexus. Dent it the hood. That's how hard he slammed him into the hood. Then he slammed him into the concrete. On and he said, Don't resist. And he started reaching for his gun on a traffic stop. And he said, And I heard him talking in the car. I said, Man, let's talk. I said, Hey, I'm Lamont Banks, the just calls. Wow. Talk to me. What's going on? And when you saw the officer, and again, again, every officer doesn't do that. And there was two officers there, and one of the officers said, uh, when the mother asked, what do you think of his behavior? Because he was trying to this is a point where you can negotiate and, and get, you know, not have any points on your license and, and just get out of the situation. And he walked away and the lady said, what do you think of that? Your, your friend, your fellow officer treating my son and me this way. He said, there's good cops and there's bad cops. He said, I'm one of the good ones. Wow. This is what he said about his partner. Uh, this is something I'm telling you, you got to take a look. Like I can say, and I appreciate uh, the, yes, the cop taking a stand to say, look, that's not right. We're just not going to say it's okay. It's not okay. That's right. And uh, had he took a moment to listen, and it's not only prisoners that they're not listening to, inmates in county jail, when you get arrested, you're trying to explain. The gentleman that died in the car with his daughter on the back seat and his fiance in the front seat, he said, I'm reaching, he said, I'm, I have a gun here, but it's right there. The guy freaked out and shoots him dead.
5: That's right. And nothing happens.
4: What do you do with that? Okay. So when, when, it tells me the officer's not listening. You're not listening. That ha- this is a major, major uh, point of emphasis that we have to pay attention to. And uh, we're going to definitely do that. Uh, right now, we're coming live from Colorado Springs, 73 degrees, 51 degrees in New York City, Washington, D.C., 55. And if you notice, the temperature is definitely dropping as we are days away from November. Can you actually believe that as the holiday season, again, gets ready to kick off? Thursday will be our last live show uh, of the year, but we're going to put together a compilation, if you will, of shows for the next through the holiday season as folks get together with family and friends. And uh, we're going to be kicking off 2017 with a bang uh, and some good opportunities. Let's Talk is also going to be kicking off uh, in April. We got some good things happening, folks. Uh, uh, We're going to be coming right back here with you. And right now, I left a Los Angeles, California out. Let's not forget sunny California, 71 degrees and sunny. We're coming right back. This is AJC Radio. The prisoner has a word. Let's hear what he has to say on the other side of this break. We'll be right back.
6: Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
1: We know you care. Now it's time. Time to change the face of justice.
5: Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent?
2: The incidents of youth and minority
0: offenders faced with trials have exploded.
2: Youth and minorities are not being
5: represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials.
2: If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service.
9: costs less, and can turn lives around, it's time for fear justice.
8: It's time for smart justice. And we need your help.
1: to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi everyone, I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little my dad was away a lot but I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home which is great for me because I get to see him every day now and he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an the emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad.
5: If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission.
4: and welcome back to AJC radio i 'm Lamont banks along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, William Williams, and the AJC radio team and tonight we 're visiting a very interesting topic. The prisoner would like to have a word, and we're talking tonight very seriously about the the lack of uh, willingness that these prisoners do not get to be heard. Uh, the simply the simple act of shutting out the words of uh, of inmates and those and those that are in prison. And so we're going to try to take a look at that uh, and and really really analyze William as we talked about during break. This is a serious problem, and I think if we change our position on what people are saying, I think a lot of you know, a lot of things that are happening in our criminal justice system would not happen. Mass incarceration would not happen if we listen. Uh, there are people, and we're going to share some of that a little later in the program, uh, that uh, last statements of inmates executed in Texas since 1982 who clearly claimed their innocence. And when you hear a little bit about that, um, it raises really, it makes you really think, what are, what are we doing as a country and as a nation? Um, so I'll tell you, uh, this is something that's going to be very very interesting and something that we definitely have to pay
5: attention to
4: um, William, your thoughts on that as we get ready to get into this segment
5: well I mean you know i really I think this is such a, a great show to really think about the fact that these people are stereotyped they're put you know and they're basically silenced they're once once they're convicted, they have no voice and it's sad and even the dentist pointed out before the break the efforts that are that have That has to take place for them to be exonerated, for their voice to be heard. The organizations behind them, you know, that have to really, you know, a tremendous amount of work to really speak on their behalf. Because once they're in that system, they're in the system, in a cell or whatever, they're basically stifled and silenced. They can't. And so it's it's those that are outside that having to fight for them.
4: No, absolutely. And tonight, this show is dedicated, as all our shows are, to the IRP Six who definitely have a word. Who are the IRP6 men? They are Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. And tonight, we'd like to share uh, some of the statements that were made at sentencing on the wrongful conviction of these men. Uh, right now, joining us is Tisha Barnes, uh, who is actually going to read uh, the statement made by her husband, Kendrick Barnes, who was wrongfully convicted. And what he had to say was profound. And, Tisha, thank you for joining us tonight and being a part of this. Uh, Go ahead and share with our listeners the words of Kendrick Barnes at Sentencing.
0: I would just like to say that going through this process, I have had a very unique perspective of the justice system. I sat as a solid defense defendant. I acted as my own attorney. I have been an inmate. And shortly after being released from detainment, I actually sat on a jury. I was going at that jury very disillusioned. I thought that the system was broken, but I was surprised that I saw the system work. I did, and I didn't think it would. What I saw was that there were individuals in that system, a judge, a prosecutor and defense that did their jobs. I saw that judge as a protector of the rights of not only the government, but of the defendants. And I also saw that judge make sure that every piece of evidence was able to get to that jury because I sat there and I watched as a theater, silent, but I saw the process work from a different perspective. I don't think the justice system is broken now, but I do understand that it is a very delicate balance and it can be knocked off that balance by individuals inside the system that do not fully respect the Constitution and the rights of the citizens who sit before that court and also that they can do their job without any sort of personal reasons, like just wanting the government to win or whatever. I watched very closely and listened to Piers Morgan when he interviewed Justice Scalia. He seemed very biased, but I heard him say that he could set aside his personal beliefs to do the job. Even though he agreed, he said, I don't agree with everything, but he believes in the constitution. I don't think I'm done yet. I do believe that the jury could have made a different decision, If they had the right to see all the evidence, hear all the witnesses, and then let them make the decision, not letting it be orchestrated away from them to get a portion of what they could have seen, I do believe there could have been a different outcome. What I would like to say is that everyone needs to do their jobs, from the court reporter getting all the information, to the judge making sure there is a referee, making sure that the rights, my rights, the public rights, that everyone is respected. When that is done, I think the system can work. By the grace of God, I believe I saw these things from a different perspective for a reason. I don't think this is over. I do believe that the wisdom of our forefathers who made this system also understood there could be mistakes and made an appellate court so that someone could take a second look. That is what I'm basically hoping and putting my faith in now. It is in God. And I have put my faith in the system that there are going to be judges who look at this without any sort of bias, not caring who I am, but at what the whole goal of the judicial system is about and what the Constitution is set there for. And I believe I will be exonerated. That is all I would like to say. Thank you.
4: Wow. And thank you. The words of Kendrick Barnes, one of the IRP6. And I'll tell you right now, folks. Wow. This is a man that went through the system, and I would say to Kendrick tonight, the system is absolutely broken. If one man, innocent man, spends a day in jail, the saying says better that a hundred guilty go free than one man spend one one innocent man spend a day in jail that should not be there. Uh, Our system is broke. And what, what profound words, Dennis, when you hear that, what, what goes through you? Well, it was deep. Uh, it, it's kind of saddened. It's, sad, it's very saddening uh, to know that he knew he was innocent and that, you know, he spoke I mean, so eloquently, uh, explaining that, you know, he understood the justice system and how it should work. He, he, he actually got to see it work right. And now that he's on the other end of it, you know, he's got a judge and a prosecutor, a judge not acting as a referee, a prosecutor uh, withholding evidence and, uh, you know, a court reporter uh, that that's being, you know, led by, you know, the judge. And and, and it's it's just sickening to hear that it, it, he really thought that justice would prevail. He really thought that they would eventually do the right thing. But of course, as you said...
7: Our system is broke.
4: And they stopped listening. Yes. And this claim and statement by Kendrick Barnes is what they've said from the beginning. We didn't do anything. That's right. David Banks spoke on an interview regarding exactly the work, what they were doing, how they would – when did they stop listening? They stopped. Nobody listened. And that is something that absolutely cannot – be tolerated in our judicial system right now we're going to hear a little bit of that clip from david banks just talking about what they were doing but again he had a word but nobody wanted to listen let's see what he had to say
5: we have uh, we have uh david banks
4: Uh, with us now from again the FCC prison camp in Florence, Colorado. Uh, David, good morning. How are you?
7: Good morning.
1: I'm fine. It's good to be with you.
4: Thank you very much. Uh, We just uh, had a conversation with Gary.
10: Sam was just uh, finishing his comment. Um, In the limited time that we have with you, what is it that you want my audience to understand about what has happened to you as it relates to IRP solutions?
7: First and foremost, uh, I'd like to say uh, in, in the case of the IRP-6, the government was fully aware of our business activities. Um, mm-hmm. In a proffer, we submitted to the government, uh, which provided overwhelming evidence not only of our business activities, investment activities, uh, seeking investment, etc. The government was fully aware of who we were dealing with uh, in the federal government, what agencies we were dealing with. Uh, we went through, uh, we kept weekly and chronicle weekly activity reports of all of our business activity for approximately a year and a half to two years. So we have very detailed information we provided to the government with the proffer on what was going on with our company, including the stuff that was going on with staffing companies. Uh, addition, additional to that, we had a reasonable expectation of revenue at various points between
5: 2002
7: to 2005, uh, but we kept getting strung along by the government uh, with repeated requests to see the software do more. At, at some point, we got kind of got caught in a catch-22, and obviously it was a very uh, frustrating situation to be uh, continue, to, continuing to extend our company in debt, and uh, anticipation of the government in uh, engaging in business. they, they had spoke about at the end of 2003 uh, a $12 million pilot project. So we're working towards these types of goals. In 2004, our resource from the NYPD uh, said he anticipated us closing business with the NYPD at the, at the early part of 2004. So we didn't uh, just, casually engage the company uh, uh, financially to go go into debt, we had uh, goals based on what we're being told from the Department of Homeland Security, as well as our resources, uh, our resource there at the NYPD. So we made a decision to move forward uh, with this business in anticipation of of $12 million engagement in the end of 2003 in business, with uh, the NYPD early part of 2004.
4: And there you have it, David Banks, one of the IRP6. Cliff, talking very clear uh, to the motive uh, of really uh, embracing the entrepreneur spirit and, and conducting business.
10: Yeah, and I mean it, it it just goes back to every small business. Every every business for that matter is in business to develop market and sell a product. That is what that is what business is. I'm developing this product. If I go in debt doing that, that's fine because at the end of the day, it'll be worth it when I when I make my sale. I'm marketing this product because I believe in it. I believe it's going to fit the purpose for the people that I'm marketing to, and when I sell it, I'll be able to pay my debt, be a viable business, and in the IRP6 case, help to ensure that uh, the country, the United States of America, would never have to endure another terrorist attack on our land. That's what it was about. And just like David said in that clip, the government was fully aware of what was going on. The, The government interviewed Department of Homeland Security. They interviewed The New York Police Department, they interviewed Philadelphia PD. They interviewed Orange County, Florida. They knew exactly what IRP Solutions was doing. And still, they said that there's some kind of wrongdoing. This is a debt case. This is a debt collection issue. And the FBI, in their their own letter to one of the debtors, said this is a civil matter. Take it up civilly. This is about debt. But like you said, my, if, when when people, when the federal government quit listening to the defendants, when you have a judge that says, you know, tell them, I don't want to deal with that in court, well, you need to deal with it in court because it's one of the issues that are on the table. When we look at Judge Arguello in one of the hearings pre-trial where uh, the prosecutor, Matthew Kirsch, is, is telling the, the the judge, so what if I got, uh, if if I went into their financial accounts. So what if I did it illegally? It doesn't matter because they don't have any right. And when a judge sits there, like judge wow. Arguello did and allows that to happen and doesn't do anything and allows it to go to trial. I mean, uh, you know, as well as I do, when we talk to Isha, to members on, on Capitol Hill, they said this case should have been thrown out. No judge should have ever. With that statement being made on the record, should never have allowed to that, that to move forward. But what it shows is the bias in the system, that you have corrupt judges, you have corrupt prosecutors, and when they quit listening to what the defendant has to say about why they're there, then your whole tenet of, of innocent till proven guilty is out the window. It means um, nothing.
4: No, absolutely. And we're going to hear a little bit about, uh, actually from me, uh, David Banks' statement at sentencing, and it's, it's lengthy. We may break it up over three parts, but I'll tell you, uh, I'm going to start a little bit of it uh, right now, and it says, it says here very clearly, the court states, Mr. Banks, do you wish to make a statement to me on your own behalf before I impose sentence? We're going to get to that statement uh, a little bit later. Uh, these are the words of David Banks, one of the rp 6 Absolutely, Your Honor. I want to start by saying something. This is somewhat of a tragic situation and just don't know what to really believe because a jury came back with a verdict of guilty. I have heard all of this stuff read. I have heard almost a type of attitude from Mr. Kirsch. He is the prosecutor in the case. You hear all of this, and you just are saying, I am listening to everything that is being said about what I did and what we did. And then I hear the remorse argument. I cannot stress enough, and I don't think anybody in this courtroom, if they had a child, if they, if they had anything, they knew their child didn't go out to commit a crime they would tell them to admit that you committed a crime irrespective of what the whole world would say i know what is in my heart i know what was in my heart and there was no scheme anywhere when i was younger my friends used to want to go out and do a lot of dirt i had a common saying i'm not going to jail for anybody i always brought myself with my own car and i would leave in case somebody wants to go start committing a crime david banks does not commit crimes David Banks does not go into anything thinking about a crime. I wrote a few things down here I would like to just read. I won't be with you too long, Your Honor, but I think it is important for me to say a few things. It is absolutely inconceivable that me, my brothers, my five other defendants with no criminal history, woke up one day and will say, this is a great way to continue to get money. See, I know what didn't happen. That They know that didn't happen, and we know in our heart, God knows that did not happen. It just simply did not happen. Now, in 1999 or 2000, that time frame, I worked for a company called LSI Logic, a semiconductor company. My salary was somewhere around 110000 That was back then, plus like a 10% bonus. It is inconceivable that, okay, oh, by the way, guys, let's get together. Let's continue to engage in some criminal conspiracy. Oh, by the way, you're going to take a chance on going to jail, and I'm going to sit back and take that risk and then say I'm going to get Compensated. I would have much rather just worked a normal job. This was not about a scheme. This was about a hundred percent internal and strong belief of what we had developed. Everybody around here is saying, Well, it is. No, we have law enforcement professionals. They would not be forthcoming. That was unfortunately what we were told about this software. We originally set up meetings. We met in Washington, DC with Ben Knighthorse Campbell to tell him about the software. He is the one that referred us to the FBI. That is how the agents came about. We went through all these sorts of evolutions. Next, we say, okay, let's hire some FBI agents, consult them, and bring them in as a part of the scheme. Who does that? Who does that? And we're gonna we're gonna pick up the rest of what David said. When you hear David's words, uh, Dennis, I mean, this is this is somebody needs to listen. And as you can see, no one was listening because listen to that. I mean,
5: it was so straightforward again why would i hire fbi agents in on a so-called scheme it just doesn't make sense and i can understand as you read that how he
4: must have felt the the, the nerve of you yeah. to call me a criminal when all my life i've done nothing but tried to do the best and i truly believe that There was no one. That judge was not. Absolutely. Now, what I wanted to talk about is when she says, Mr. Banks, do you have something to say on your behalf before I impose sentencing?" Now, the statement says what you say may influence me. Exactly. But that's a front. That's not reality. The judge's mind is made up at that point, and it's proven by the sentence that she levied out against them. And I think the words that David speaks are clear. They are just precise to the point. These are not the words of a criminal clip. And the thing is,
10: he not only, I mean, yeah, he he speaks it. He speaks it with passion and conviction, but he lays out evidence with what he's saying. You cannot refute what the evidence says. You cannot say, okay, well, you're in in communication and you're hiring retired FBI agents and you're hiring retired uh, detectives from NYPD. And they're saying, okay, we believe that your product is going to be so. Anybody in their right mind, when you you look at what the IRP Solutions had on the line, the their first the first uh, sale, which was just to stand up the framework and install one of 18 modules at Department of Homeland Security, you're talking about a hundred million dollar initial contract. Who wouldn't go into debt to say my first sale is going to be $100 million on a piece of software? But you present this to the judge, and the judge still comes back and says, well, okay, I heard your statement, but it does not, it, it doesn't move me in any way. That is where you have to look and say, okay, where is the conscience of this judge? Where is the just the, the basic decency of this entire case makes no sense, none whatsoever. Well,
4: I'll tell you what, Cliff. When I tell you what, I get
10: chill bumps reading David's statements,
4: and I'm te- he's telling you there's no logic none. to what you're saying. None. There is no feasible. I don't have to be a judge to read that and know this is something different, William.
5: Well, th- this is the thing that keeps that keeps ringing in my mind. David lays it out so clear for them. It's almost like to think. Do you think NYPD, one of the largest agencies, the largest. In the, the largest agency in the country, did not do due diligence enough to, that you know I'm saying that that they're exactly. engaging with a company that would be a front? Do you not think the the, the largest law enforcement agency uh, in the, in our country would not do the due diligence and say, is this company for real? Then what David lays out to them in his statement that you were reading, he said that or or either his, his clip. That he was, they were doing. The the government was constantly asking them to see the software. Well, um, go ahead, William. And and, and so I mean, and and this is the thing is frustrating because I was there, Cliff was there. We saw the officials there. We saw, uh, we saw the FBI agents. They had cubes. They had offices. These guys were there. So it's not like it's not like they were engaged on the phone. These people were on premise. So and, and then we had when we did. Now, I want our audience to understand that when we did the upgrades and the modifications for NYPD, we were on calls with them. They were there in our office. We were doing modifications and demonstrations of the software. David is laying all this out. He's saying we're engaged in business activities with these people. And do you honestly think these caliber people would not put us in jail if we were wrong? If we were trying to commit a scheme or a fraud, and that's just what frustrates me about this.
4: No, absolutely, that's something that's definitely. Uh, now, folks, we're going to visit this all evening tonight. Uh, I believe we're getting ready to at least get an opportunity, hopefully, to bring our first guest on. They're working on that right now. Uh, I'll tell you what, folks. Here's a lot of. There's a lot to the. And look, we've just t- scratched the surface of the words that were spoken.
5: Uh, uh,
4: by David Banks by the RP6 we're going to hear we're going to get into that a little bit later a little bit later in the program we're going to continue this discussion the prisoner has a word why is no one not listening why why is no one engaged why do we do we have we gotten so habitually into a habit of of our process of this system that we simply find ourselves as a country going through the motions of justice because true justice would speak if David Banks or any defendant, any people on death row, people wrongfully convicted, have said, 30 years, I'm innocent. And all of a sudden they're released from prison because somebody heard, listened to what they had to say. That is, that is huge. And that is the fact. If you find this to be a problem in America and people are listening and people are paying attention, uh, then someone explain to me, if if we're hearing that, shouldn't we put more emphasis on listening and realizing that people are sitting in prison? That should not be there. We're going to get to this, and right now we're going to have the opportunity, and we're very honored tonight uh, to bring Johnny Lee Savory into the conversation. And, uh, Mr. Savory, thank you so much for joining us tonight on AJC Radio. Can you hear me?
9: It's always a pleasure. Yes, I can hear you. It's just, well, It's uh, always a pleasure yeah. to engage with you all. all
4: right, can I call you Johnny or John or what do you go by? Yeah, about? sure. No, no, call me Johnny. My, my okay. mom appreciates appreciate that. <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, I'll tell you, Johnny, I don't know how much you've heard of this show. The show tonight is titled The Prisoner Has a Word. Uh, the right. unheard voices of prisoners around this country. And mm-hmm. we, we're dealing with not only those that are uh, have been sentenced to prison in your case spent thirty six years in prison for a crime you didn't commit, and I'm gonna give you the floor. Tell the folks what happened, Johnny. I'm sure you were talking the whole thirty six years man I didn't do this, but nobody yeah, stopped thirty
9: me. it's thirty i've been thirty, but I've been on the journey for forty years now I've been forty we'll years to... on the journey it's been ten years since I've been out and uh okay yeah um i'm I'm glad you have it as a topic you know uh can it be heard? Well, let me put it this way. I was 14 years old at the time that I was kidnapped from school and wrongly convicted and sentenced to prison and faced death penalty twice. It I, I realized on that journey what the problem was. The system always have been what it is and it ain't ain't having nothing changed. But <clears throat> you have a lot of good officers out there that do a lot of good work now, that's strange coming from me, but it's, I found it to be true. However, the problem is in that prosecutor's office.
0: The people that feel
9: like they have absolutely immunity from doing and saying what they want to say to whom they want to do it to. And that's the problem. And the the, the, the most crucial problem is us as a people. How do you let somebody walk into your community and take your child away? Take your father away, take your mother away, take your sister away, and you don't open your mouth. How do you do that? So the first outrage has to be with us because I live here in Chicago now. Inglewood over there is the biggest area. Uh and they got a thousand churches in Inglewood. Did you hear me? I did. One thousand churches in Inglewood, that's what they have. But yet Inglewood ain't got no voice. Wow. The imaginary wow. chains on the brain and, and been placed there, not only, we always say it's the white man's fault. But the last time I checked, let me give you some good examples. Yeah. Yeah. I assume I assume they are. I don't I don't know for sure. I assume. Um Yes ma'am. Um give you a case in point. Okay. God, this hurts so bad. It's the crime that's going on up here. Honest to God, it's 30 to 40 shootings every weekend. We have 3,000 people shot. It's more than Iraq and Iran going on right now. And about 300 murdered and about 40 of them are children. That's at the hands of our own people. So we want to use uh, poverty and drugs as an excuse, but we come out of slavery. How can we be so successful coming out of slavery and got everything today and can't do nothing with it? Right. We have no account we have no accountability among ourselves, therefore other people look at how we treat ourselves. And I repeat, how we treat ourselves. And they feel they don't have the answer for it either. You know, right. prison used to be all white. You didn't know that this.
4: <laughs> no only
9: in the late late 60s early 70s 80s 90 did the complexion change now people want to say you know it's the new uh plantation free labor yeah they got something to do with it but what happened to us what happened to those other people? It could be a brother on the corner drinking and doing drugs. But if he saw your mama come, he'd stop doing what he's doing and pick up your bags, your mama bags, and take them to the house. What happened to we could share a cup of flour, a cup of sugar? I don't want nobody to think that we moving from the subject because those subjects made us neighbors, right? And we looked out for one another. We don't even look out for one another. We don't even know your neighbor. How can God rescue us from something so so horrific and we turn around and put some chains on ourselves and, and act like we don't got no culpability in it? No, absolutely. So before, we, before we can throw anybody's house, we've got to clean up our own house first. And that's across the board with everybody. No, no, no absolutely.
4: Without question, there are challenges in our, uh, in our inner cities, in places, as you said, the uh, the shootings that are taking place mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago are horrific, uh, mm-hmm. and and this is what I'll say, uh, Johnny, on, on one point, uh, mm-hmm. I believe I believe every person is responsible for what they do, without question. Uh, and the, again, mm-hmm. we have to take a look at, at ourselves in the mirror and say, what are we doing to contribute to the problem? Uh, I agree yes. with that. I do mm-hmm. think so. On the other side of the coin. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and to go with the topic of this show, it's not only the prisoners that have a Mm word. Our families, our people in the inner cities are talking. They're saying, will somebody listen to us? When we have people being murdered, whether it's by the hand of our own people or by uh, corrupt officers, again, not all of them are Mm -hmm. corrupt, but those that are, it -hmm. makes it even more difficult to have that conversation. Uh, because then people kind of get into a shell and close up and they start reacting whatever way that they choose to
5: react.
4: So the point is, I think if Washington, our state legislators, mm-hmm. our congressional mm-hmm. leader need mm-hmm. to listen to the constituents, that's us. Yes. Yes. Would you agree with that?
9: Yes. Yes. Wholeheartedly. And we have to see God is not a myth. Let's get rid of the myth. God is real. I know, I faced death penalty twice, and he never allowed anyone to touch me. Do you understand what I'm saying? All I did was cling to the promise that he gave me. He said the truth will win. And guess what? I ain't never let go of that promise. And it has taken me 40 years to get DNA to prove my innocence. It don't matter. Not to me. Because he kept me mentally, physically, spiritually intact to deliver this testimony to those who are listening. Yes, I'm not a a phenomenon. I'm just a child of God that paid attention. Right, that's it, and and stayed focused. And when you do that, that's what we did to come out of slavery. I'm sorry. That's what we did to overcome any of the the most powerful thing we have is love. Love ain't weak. Love ain't passive. I ain't saying now time you can slap me. I right. the power that gives you integrity, even in the midst of corruption. Yes. Hmm? Let me, the Johnny, power let me... of love gives you understanding. Even when yes. those act like they don't hear you. I wrote tens of thousands of letters. No only meant that I was gonna keep going till I got it. Right. Absolutely. You
4: know. Yanni, let me ask you a question.
9: Yes. When 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 you
4: first started out as you said on this journey years ago mm-hmm. at that age it had to be very traumatic I'm sure to be accused of something you didn't do it uh, at that point you know you're probably very adamant whether you're screaming yelling I didn't do this I didn't do this
1: mm-hmm.
4: When did you find out or when did it start getting I mean this is a 36 years uh, when did you start believing? And I know you said your faith is what carried you through. When did it come to your realization that somebody had started to listen to what you
9: had to say? When I tore down the walls, I used to be literal. When God said so I could push the wall down, thought the wall was something physical. Right. All the time, it was just some mental. See, they wanted me to have walls of hatred, displaced emotions, bitterness. They wanted to turn me into what they had accused me of doing. Right. Then they they had won. But see, that other journey, that spiritual journey you go on, and prisoners, some prisoners know this. When you're in solitary confinement, ain't nobody there but you. You and God. Two things going to take place. Either you're going to find what you think was lost and it wasn't lost at all or you're going to go mad. It's all can happen. Ain't nothing else can happen. So once I realized that I had power because I was God's child, I started acting like it. Right. You know, I stopped, I stopped asking God why. I see why now. I saw why even in there. Because he put me in position to help other brothers in there, and other brothers helped me. Then we were a family, not a gang.
1: Right. A family.
9: Then we learned how to have birthdays with one another. We learned how to file each other's clemencies and pardons. Some of the most awesome legal minds, they were right there in prison.
4: True.
9: And the awesome work then I learned how to put the briefs together and finally went before the tribunals and they looked at me like forgive me but they looked at me like nigga really you who who told you could do this no one what but the god and me and i didn't let the racist walls stop me from communicating people i studied other people's culture I want to know why they believe what they believe and how can I challenge that belief?
4: No, absolutely.
9: And, Go ahead, wait, Johnny. And that's why Johnny Cochran, that's one of the most awesome brothers that I respect. He gave Geronimo Pratt his word when he was just an up and coming defense lawyer. Not only did he keep his word, he went over to the other side where the evidence needed, became a federal prosecutor, came back on this side and freed that up. Yes, see, we need but, to do more and last time I checked, you had Thurgood Marshall, man, what an architect, huh right? with a republican yeah. with a Republican Supreme Court let us not forget what case law did he have? He had none. He had the Bible and the Constitution. He went to work. We always been great architects. Frederick Douglass, his writings. We need to step up, and all this a stop. When we when we step up, no we, we liberated this We liberated this nation. We was good. Then they said niggas couldn't fly airplanes. Flew six hundred missions, didn't lose one airplane. Right. Every aspect of Europe's uh, freedom, we were right there, but so we well, Johnny, why, this we
1: is can't what, free ourselves. No, I, <laughs> I, I the, I, I the voice dog
9: with me and you. So if we can get it, if we can, our conscience have been touched the way it has been touched. Others, if they open their mind and heart, they can do the same thing.
4: Any well, i tell you what. I'll tell you what, Johnny. Uh, that's information that definitely. Uh, hold on to, and it's true words, that uh, we are faced with a lot of challenges, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm very, very happy that uh, your freedom came, Uh, and again, Mm -hmm. what you've gone through has been, without question, a help to other people, and we appreciate that. Johnny, uh, what things are you involved in now, um, where people want to get a hold of you and maybe work with you together to to get Mm -hmm. this message out, how can they get a hold of you?
9: Well, they can call my office, uh, 773-256-2719, and my email is savory at rainbowpush.org. I run the legal department there. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. And, um, oh, God, I don't don't know how many people, I I, I guess plus 50, I have brought here to tell their story because – The uniqueness about this organization is that every Saturday, 30 states and 20 countries get to see you. Oh, wow. So when they see this person who's been persecuted in that manner, I assume it operates the same way they did when when the TV cameras caught them when they beat and killed the during the late 50s, middle 50s, doing the uh, peaceful demonstrations led by King and others. Yes. And, you know, that's why it ain't racist with me because, I mean, it's in there. I just want to give people understanding about Kent College back then. They killed them white students. I want to give people understanding three white boys that went to Mississippi. They killed them. I don't give people a greater understanding about it. One thing say, can they stand by that and call him my brother, John Brown? Abolitionists. People have sacrificed their whole life. This ain't about black and white. This is about your principles, your beliefs. Either you believe in truth and justice or you don't.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, and absolutely. if you
9: don't, that's a, that's, a, that's a problem. And you're right, no matter if the man is guilty or innocent. Matter of fact, let's be honest. Guilty people go free quicker than someone innocent. That's true. Guilty people, when they come home, they have reentry. Innocent people come home, you know what they got? Nothing. Hmm. They have no programs they can walk into. They have no housing they can walk into. They don't have anything. So my fight right now is to change that. Through every referendum in this country And I look forward to working with you all To help change that Because I ask myself Where is black media in this situation Where are they We have hundreds of thousands of black periodicals Or more, tens of thousands Why ain't the story in at least one of them every, Every week, every month I wrote to all the top Black organizations in the country You know what I got Nothing Hmm. The very organization that I work for right now I wrote But I had to find out why That's why God put you inside the people's house Well the reason why is Reverend didn't get your letter Or Faircon didn't get your letter Or John H. Johnson didn't get your letter Or whoever didn't get your letter Because it goes through other people's hands first Right No absolutely And they determine if that's If that's concerned enough (laughs) To allow him to uh, respond to.
4: Well, I'll now tell you I'm what,
9: the person to get the letter.
4: Well, I tell you what, Johnny, uh, we definitely are open to working with you uh, on any yeah. initiative that you have. If we need to get a message out uh, to our listeners around the country and around the world of what you're doing, you always have a platform here at AJC Radio and a friend. Oh, I know yes. so that. can work together. I appreciate you taking time out of your evening. And it sounds like mm-hmm. eventually your voice was heard, and that's. Oh yes, As- it was. As we talk about tonight, that people have things to say, uh, but the perseverance that it takes to get your word heard, sometimes it takes, sometimes it ain't immediate, but you have to stay at it. And you strike me as the type that knew exactly that. I'm not going to give up. And I'll tell you what, if patience is not uh, instilled in you after 36 years and the talk as you do of fighting this fight, uh, our hats off to you here at AJC Radio. We appreciate you joining us tonight. (laughs)
9: Yes, and I pray that you all have me. And I'm going to let everybody know this here. God is going to go as far as you go. If you show up, he'll show out. And there's plenty of people listening. You, yes. just, have to, you just have to stay the course and reach them. And they're not far away. And there's people right there, and, there, and it's, it's guards there. We really want to tell the truth. A good example is Hurricane, right quick. If it wasn't for the lieutenant, the book wouldn't have never got out. Right. Possibly killed them inside of there. So let's know th- that sometimes the people standing next to you might look racist, might look halfway crazy, but you never know what they heart look like until you reach out and touch it.
4: Okay, we appreciate it, Johnny. Thank you so All much right. for your words. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, we are taking the to heart tonight, and uh, definitely call us. Uh, I'm going to get a hold of you offline uh, so you have my personal okay. information to reach me, our, our okay. thoughts and prison with you as you continue this fight for justice. We appreciate it.
9: Thank you. All right. All right. Night, have everybody. a good evening.
4: Okay, there you have it. Uh, Johnny Lee Savory, uh, direct to the point. Uh, man's life has been affected tremendously uh, by what he went through. And uh, on the other side of the break, uh, our, our next uh, guest joining us, Antoine Day. Uh, another one uh, wrongfully convicted. He had something to say. We're going to hear his story on the side of this break. This is AJC Radio bringing the message of justice all around the world. Tonight's topic, the prisoner has a word. It's time that we listen up. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States I'll ask you one more question were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world the United States makes up of only five percent of the world's population but we have over 25 percent of the world's prison population And we fight for justice. Again, call the just calls today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today.
8: How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of AJC Radio and a campaign that we have started that is underway entitled Spotlight on Capitol Hill. This program is new to AJC Radio, but it is an exciting time when we take a few moments every Thursday evening to highlight members of Congress, their initiatives that are not only important to them, their constituents and the nation as a whole. We invite you every Thursday to tune in to AJC Radio to hear your congressman or your senator and their initiatives that are here to shape a nation and to bring about change. We invite you cordially, and as we fight for justice, as we seek justice daily, we'll come together as not only the American people, join us every Thursday for Spotlight on Capitol Hill. God bless you, and as always... God bless America. And welcome back into to AJC Radio. Spotlight on excuse me, not spotlight on Capitol Hill, AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight we've had the privilege uh, of talking about the words of prisoners and the fact that their words are not heard. People are not listening, not only the inmates in county jail, people when they're first arrested saying, I didn't do it, but we're not listening to the prisoners who sat in prison in Johnny Lee Savory 36 years in prison before somebody started to listen a wrongful conviction. And I I tell you what, uh, that is something uh, that we definitely need to pay attention to. Uh, I'll tell you what he's, he's uh, definitely, uh, direct and spoken to the point, very informative of what's happened personally with him, Dennis, in his life, uh, is, is monumental here. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he, 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 he told us a lot of good things in reference to, uh, you know, not just, uh, you know, those that are immediately involved with you listening, but, you know, family members, uh, the community, you know, everybody, you know, no one's listening. You know, it, it takes it, it's sad that someone would be in prison for 36 years, 30 years, 36 years. And, right. and wow, because of his, you know, his 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 push to make it happen, to make people listen pretty much, you know, that's awesome. and that's what he did. Uh, so that's awesome. But yeah. because someone listened, he escaped death row twice. Wow! Can you imagine that? And we're going to get into that a little bit more. Joining us now, Antoine Day, wrongfully convicted. Uh, he was a musician, but his life changed, changed. on no, September 1st, 1990. 1990. His life began to change, and tonight, joining us is Antoine Antoine Day. Oh, Antoine. Are you there, sir? Are you there, sir? I'm here. Okay. Uh, thank you so can you much-
3: hear me? You.
4: Yeah, I can hear you. Thank you so okay. much for taking time out of your evening uh, to be with us. Oh, thank you we-
3: for having me.
4: No, we appreciate that. Appreciate that. And uh, give me one yeah, moment. It uh, uh, looks moment. like we're trying to clear up some technical uh, sounds that we have right now. Um, okay. And are you, are you are you sitting next to where we're playing, uh, Antoine, to the, to the phone? I mean, to the... Uh, internet, wherever the the internet, coming through. The,
3: the through. No, no, no. I'm I'm on my phone. I'm I'm nowhere near internet. Radio, oh, or anything on, else? Oh, I mean. Okay. Are you um?
10: Are you on speaker? Are you on
3: speaker? No, no. I have you It's my ear. don't want to miss nothing. Okay. That's, no,
4: okay. no, no worries on that. We're trying to clear up some technical uh, sounds that we're having right now, and if if we if you hear us doing that, we're just trying to make sure our listeners are not hearing. Uh, side of delay that we have right now
3: okay good, good good
4: okay i'm gonna i'm gonna let you uh go ahead uh antoine uh again we're talking tonight about uh, a prisoner has a word something to say uh that has been
1: uh,
4: that has been ignored really over a period of time and a lot of prisoners go through that whether you're arrested inmates or actually in prison and in your case, wrongfully convicted. I'm sure you were speaking to everyone that I didn't do this, but nobody wanted to listen. I'm going to give you the floor to tell your story, uh, and we'll pick it up from there.
3: Uh, yeah, I was definitely one of those people who had, you know, uh, had his life stolen from him. And uh, normally, that uh, they were lying in the beginning. You know, the prosecutor and the police, you know, knew it all the time because they they. they conveyed that message many of times, if you do this, you won't have to go through this, you know, in order for me to lie on someone else. So uh, with my dignity, I didn't. I went through it and did what I had to do to fight, you know, the unjust that, that, that was, was put upon me. But uh, I come today, you know, by way of life after justice, because that helped me create an atmosphere of understanding for other people who didn't understand and didn't realize what was going on in our community. You know it educated me it, it taught me about trust it taught me about uh the the ability to understand law and today it, it kind of set my life in pace to where I'm headed now and uh because I spend many days like six days a week teaching men and women about law, teaching them about their rights, teaching them how not to do certain things when when arrested and you know and uh um so it's just a, it's just a learning phase, you know, for a lot of a lot of people who uh, uh, didn't know at first. But Life House of Justice is giving us an opportunity to stretch this word out across this country, and radio uh, shows like yours, giving us an opportunity to speak a voice into reality. Because a lot of people only think it happens to someone else and not themselves. But it'll knock on your door. But will you be ready when it comes? And with the knowledge that we're bringing. With the knowledge that we're bringing, hopefully everybody will be prepared to be able to deal with it. Because you see that uh, that, that there's a, an injustice going on, and people will continue to ignore it. With the shootings and and the things that's happening right now, even on video being shown, you still have to go through a process. You know.
4: Hey, uh, after the at home, this is uh, Dennis. I have a question. Uh, when uh-huh. you you were going through what you were going through. When when did someone finally listen? And how did you? I'm sure you played a big role in making that happen. But uh, when did someone finally listen? How long were, were you in prison before somebody uh, finally started listening and, 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 and aiding you and trying to get you out of there?
3: Oh man, I was in prison like like seven years before anyone even heard me. I had written to every uh, uh, church. Every synagogue, every mosque, every lawyer's office, every school—I've every, written to so many people and never got a response. Until one day, my sister took, uh, was at work and discussed my, a case. You know, God is good. I must—I must say it first because without Him, ain't none of this possible. And what He did was, He allowed somebody to hear it. And when they heard my case, He said, "Wow, my dad is a retired attorney. His name is Howard Joseph." My dad is a retired attorney, so maybe i let him look at it. So my sister took my case to work, gave it to him. He gave it to his father. And one day his dad just showed up and said, hey, I'm your new attorney. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know anything. And from that point, he told me just trust in him, and he'll make it happen. And he made it happen. You know, it took us some years, but he made it happen. But my cry for help had went unheard by so many people. My mother has went and lobbied. She went to Springfield. She went to the Capitol. She had went downtown. She went to lawyer's offices. They wanted her to to put her house up and and, and everything she ever had just to, you know, just to take it and and really put no effort in trying to help me, you know, uh, uh, expose this injustice that was being done to me, you know. So it was about people just neglecting people only because it's the way the system ran it the way the system allowed it to happen.
4: No, absolutely, Antoine. And what I see here uh, in May 2002, uh, that's when a uh, uh, judge uh, said that your attorney did not represent you well. Um, and basically he became a Cook County Circuit Court judge. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. How does he – the, uh, the wow. position of a judge – and he failed you in the process of due process, which ultimately led to your freedom.
3: It's just like most of these cops. I'm, I'm going to use this scenario. Just like most of these dirty cops, right, you play inside the system so long they owe you. So even if you fail at being who you say you were going to be, they're going to promote you just on a good old boy's uh, situation. So they promoted him and put, made him a judge, kind of like to keep him quiet, because a lot of things that he was a part of was beginning to be exposed and they really didn't want things to come out. So yeah, they put him in a judge position. This man was now making decisions for people's lives when, at first, he didn't know how to even help somebody make the right decisions. I don't understand how the system has been this raggedy for so long. You know, and and we talk about the 13th Amendment. If we look at the the movie The 13th, we can see this corruption taking place all through those years. Johnny Savory, ain't the only brother that happened to you. I know Johnny Savory and That brother, Hyde is so good and pure, you know, and he stands up and fights for everybody behind him. The ones that, that, that did this wrong to us are not fighting. They're hiding now. They're turning into our politicians. they turn turning into our, our, our trusted officials that we trust so much because we don't expose them. You know, we're not exposing them for what they really have done to a community of people. To, to keep you in a destructive mode, you know. But, I, I, I'm a, you know, I come from a prayer mother and father and family, and, and that prayer is what pushed me forward to keep me strong and not let me lose my, 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 myself inside those walls, inside, the, you know, the, those crypts. So how I got home was I had somebody who had a heart and that wanted to help, and he helped, and he didn't charge me a dime. He didn't ask wow. me for a penny. You know, and he, he gave his all, and he turned his case around. We already knew that this lawyer knew nothing, you know. But the judge was corrupt, and here go another piece for you for, for, for what's going on. The judge that, that heard my case was suspended from the bench because he withheld evidence on the L rookies. So they were putting black men in front of this judge who had a vendetta against whomever he thought was a black gangbanger. You know, I was a musician. They they, they lobbied and said I was a gangbanger. So they had a special gang a prosecutor in there to prosecute me. The judge was a special judge who prosecuted gang members. And, and it was like, it wasn't no win, you know. Right. It wasn't no win. And and so they allowed this man to stay on the bench, even though we complain about it. And they allowed this man to stay on the bench and, 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 and hear these cases. Knowing that he is already convicted in the federal courts. I don't understand how this happens, but it happens every day, you know. And our legislature, our legislators are allowing it to happen. Our politicians are are having their way with us. They're having their way with us. This is just a modern day slavery, and everybody's invested in it.
5: Hey Antoine, this you know, is William. I had a quick question for you. I, I'm listening to okay. you. I listened to Johnny's, uh, you know, story as well, and. It seems like the, the ongoing theme of, of no accountability by the prosecutors and the judges is just continuing to grow more and more, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I mean, you're talking on a little bit about, that, about the judge, but I just wanted to, you to talk about it. I wanted to get your thoughts.: Antoine, before you do that, uh,
4: can you adjust mm-hmm. the volume on your phone for me? Turn it down a couple of knot's okay. the okay. issue. Okay, We want nothing missed here in this uh, conversation.
3: Okay, is that better?
4: Let's see. Is it? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Is that better? Yeah, I believe that, I believe that fixes it. No, okay. It's still, okay. It, what I'm... we're having is a little bit of a delay, so no, don't. It's not. Again, don't worry about that. We're just trying to make sure that our listeners can hear precisely what we're talking about. We got an echo once we brought okay. you in. Line, maybe the line itself. I don't know. Um,
3: okay. Well, I've, I've cut it down as far as it, it will go.
4: Yeah, and you can still hear us?
3: Yeah, I can still hear you guys. Yeah. Okay.
4: And you don't happen to have a landline there, do you?
3: I don't.
1: <laughs> okay, so we're to, That's a dinosaur we're to talk- around here. <laughs>
4: yeah. So, no worries. We're just going to try to get through it. I want to make sure that, and, and it, ironically, when you're talking and telling your story, which I think is, is amazing, we don't have an echo, but we're having it from the host uh, here where we're hearing that delayed echo. So, we want to make sure our listeners are not uncomfortable okay. with that. Uh, If you want to go ahead and apologize, no, 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 it's not your fault. So do you want to uh, address uh, William's question?
3: Uh, What was the question again? Let me hear one more time.
5: It was just, you know, I was just thinking about, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the, basically the prosecutor and the judges being, you know, not held accountable and how that is, it seems to be more and more the theme that basically, like you said, your judge withheld evidence. Um,
3: And so I just wanted to get your thoughts. So my, my my thought is that nobody should be above the law. You know, law is supposed to govern all events. And, and, if, and, 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 and a conspiracy, see, the federal courts can do a lot about it. All the federal courts has to do is, is enter the conspiracy. See, when you have a conspiracy to commit a crime, that means if the state's attorney knowingly is doing it, the judge knowingly allowing the state's attorney to do it, along with the cops, you know, it's just like, those 16 shots, if nobody had recorded that, if that car hadn't recorded the 16 shots that young man that that cop had shot him, it would have went unheard. All those cops had already conspired to say this ain't what happened. It's something else happened. You know what I'm saying? So we have to, we, we have to as a people, we have to see the, the, the wrong and challenge it. We have to go and challenge it. We have to challenge it. these people are all different degrees. You know, of uh, 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 knowing that they're, they're going, going to keep and continue to do and break the law. Judges should be held accountable. Prosecutor mis- prosecuting misconduct, I think I'm saying that right, prosecutorial misconduct should be held on yes. all three levels, mm-hmm. on, on the judge, the state's attorney, and the police. Should none of them be exempt? Should none of them be allowed to break the law? But, see, until we change, and I, I thought as a president that Barack Obama would have did more to bring attention to the injustice in the courtrooms. Because if you again, I go back to 13th Amendment. If you go back and look at the, at the film, it takes you all the way back to the 60s. And past that, if you go into when slavery was supposed to so-called abolished, you know, when they set these laws up, creating room for us to fail for people to hide their hands. You know to do what they did to us and, ha- and hide their hand, and, and exactly what they're doing to us right now. You know, the, the the mental illness that that guys are suffering right now, the states should be held accountable. The judges should be held accountable. You know, they should be taxed for what they're doing, and they're not.
4: No, absolutely. Um, and you, you can't have a double standard in the judicial system. I called it. Uh, unequal justice in America. You have two types of justice system. Uh, you got one for mm-hmm. the white America. You got one for uh, the rich. Just us. And then you got the blacks. And you got the minorities. Yeah, you got one
3: stuff. for just us. Yeah.
4: Of that injustice. And I think what you say, Antoine, is, is profound. Um, when did you come to, come to grips with the fact that somebody had honestly started listening to you as, as we talk about like you said, your words were unheard. Nobody wanted to even hear. Uh,
9: no, no
3: one wanted to even, to even hear it. And 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 I'm gonna tell you something else, man. That that goes on. See, and and, and we talked about it because life after justice, we fight on all levels. We fight on, on, on the uh, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. We fight for that. We fight for injustice in these courtrooms. We're fighting for. The arrest, the, the improper arrest is made, the identification, you know, all of these things we, we, we have been fighting for. And uh, um, really, if we don't come together as a community, you know, as a community, we, we're a wronged community. And if the, the, not just the wrongfully incarcerated, but incarcerated people with itself, if, if, the, if the incarcerated people movement, don't expand itself into all fields, we're going to be in so much trouble because they're blocking things with political uh, uh, nonsense. Everybody's trying to get voted. You know, you look at Hillary Clinton, you look at all these people who came before, and you say, wow, what options do we have? How do we fight this fight that well, nobody wants to hear us? You know, what, what fight do we have when, when the education is, for one, is not in the grammar schools, it's not in the high schools, then it's not in the colleges? So what's being promoted is prisons. Prisons is a big business.
4: Well, I'll tell you what, Antoine, there are some uh, on the optimistic side of that argument. uh, There seems to be in our dealings with members on Capitol Hill, uh, some efforts are being made to really address mass incarceration. Uh, Why and how did mass incarceration start? I believe it's my thoughts uh, that, the prisoners are not being heard. Those that are arrested are not being heard. That I'm not guilty. And I use as you, as uh, Mr. Savory pointed to, the problem in the prosecutor's office who decides to prosecute these cases, they definitely have gone deaf to the words of those that uh, need to be heard. So, Antoine, uh, we're going to come back and give you some closing remarks here. We're going to take a break, I want to let people know how they can get a hold of you. I see that you are involved definitely with the reentry, uh, the prison re-entry, Howard Area Community Center Employment Resource Center. Uh, we're going to be doing well, a show. Well, I'm,
3: I'm sorry. Okay, well, I'm I'm also at, at at Better Boys and Girls Family Services. Good deal. And uh, I'm I'm doing I'm working there now with with a community just like Howard Area Community Center. Yes, sir.
4: Okay, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give our listeners your contact information, give your closing remarks of how we fix this problem. We're going to be back on the other side of the break. And I think our listeners are definitely enjoying this conversation. We'll be back here on AJC Radio with Antoine Day, a gentleman making an impact. And his voice is being heard now. We'll be right back.
11: The racial composition of the prison population in the United States is very different from the population at large. If people are worried about inequality in America today, I think this deserves more attention in the discussion. Racial inequality in the criminal justice system gets ignored because it doesn't affect most people. In 2010, over 1.6 million people were in state and federal prisons within the United States. So 497 out of every 100,000 Americans were in jail about half of 1%, less than 1%. It doesn't seem very large, but when you separate that population by race, you recognize that the personal effects of the criminal justice system are very unequally shared throughout our society. Whites make up 64% of the total population, but only 31% of the incarcerated population. Blacks represent 14% of society, but 36% of the prison population. Hispanics are 16 percent of America, but 24 percent of the American prison population. Less than one in a hundred Americans are currently in jail, but for some races, genders, and age groups, that ratio is a lot larger. For example, if you're young, black, and male, it's closer to about one in four. That means you'd have a higher probability of going to jail than of getting married or going to college. These results are unequal and problematic, as poor black communities lack so many of their members. But what can be done? The causes of this trend are undoubtedly complicated and multi-causal. But there is reason to suggest that part of the blame is our criminal justice system itself. In the ways police officers enforce laws, in the ways that laws are written and prosecuted, and more. In many cases, it is not overt racism by individual actors. Many police officers, prosecutors, and judges are undoubtedly trying to be fair and trying to do the right thing. But economics can explain how unequal enforcement of the criminal law happens anyway this is because the political and bureaucratic structure of the criminal justice system creates perverse incentives the formal laws surrounding drug prohibition for example are written as if to be colorblind but people with different levels of wealth face different costs and benefits to participating in the drug trade different groups consume different drugs at different rates and Lastly, those groups are politically represented in very different quantities. Thus, they are arrested and incarcerated at very different rates. How could minority groups hope to use the political process to fix inequality when they are systematically over-incarcerated and disenfranchised? Despite noble intentions, politics often does not affect the basic incentives of costs and benefits faced by political or citizen actors. We might need a new approach to social change if we are going to address these problems. We definitely need more study into the causes of inequality, and we should admit that radical changes might be both necessary and preferable to the status quo.
4: And welcome back in to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, William Williams, Lisa is joining us remotely tonight. And we've had the privilege tonight to have two very special guests, uh, Johnny Lee Savory and Antoine Day. And with us right now is Antoine Day. We appreciate you joining us, Antoine, and uh, your your words are profound. I'm going to give you an opportunity to... Tell folks how they can get a hold of you and let you know that you have a friend and an ally at AJC Radio as we continue together on this journey to seek justice. Um, oh, yeah. Tell the folks how they can get a hold of you, and uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight.
3: Oh, yeah, and, and let me say I really appreciate you guys for having me, for having this, this, this panel of discussions that we don't have often enough. Uh, I hope you guys uh, get picked up by a major station, and God bless you. You know, with all the things you need to get this word out, but uh, uh, me and my partner Jared Adams here at, at Life After Justice, you're able to reach us at lifeafterjustice at gmail dot com. Life After Justice at gmail dot com.
4: Okay, and uh, thank you, Antoine. And, and, Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Oh, and 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 really, if you guys want to make some changes in the world, you have to get involved. Most of us sit back and wait on somebody else to do it, but we suffer the consequences by doing that. If you guys want to get out, listen, take a note. Read somebody. You know, if you have a friend that says that he's been treated in just, just look at it. Just take the case and and, and just, you know, see if you can talk to somebody who knows the legal system and ask them to read it. You know, closed mouth don't get fed. If, If we really want to help this system, we have to really start helping ourselves understand what wrong look like, you know, what it looks like. How does it happen to me and not them? And, and, and it's something we have to pay a lot of attention to. So I, 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 I wish that all of us can, can make these changes. And why should we elect as our city officials? Not just because you're a Democrat, you should vote Democrat. Not just because you're Republican, you should vote, vote Republican. You know, find independent thinkers, people who can help you make the right choices and decisions for your community. And I think in that, we can stay involved, and we get involved in the legal system a lot more, not just wait till it happens to you. Again, I'm at lifehapadjustice at gmail.com. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this time.
4: And thank you. Have a good night, and we appreciate you. We'll be in touch with you, Antoine. Take care and have a great evening.
3: I I sure hope so. Anytime you need me, I'm here.
4: We appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. Well, there you have it, Antoine Day, uh, Mr. Savory, uh, two men wrongfully convicted in our current system uh, that's that's actually suffered at the hand of injustice. Um, No reason for it. Both of them said nobody listened. Nobody heard uh, what they had to say. And uh, I'll tell you what, this is critical, Dennis, as we... Hear those accounts, I mean these men then go to go to prison or county jail for a couple of days. These are years, and the crimes are horrific. I mean you go to jail for certain crimes wrongfully, it could very well be your life, and then they have to wait all those years before somebody uh took the time to listen and and that that to me that's that just wow. makes it even worse you're innocent. You know you didn't do nothing wrong. You reached out to all these different uh, entities, and
10: uh,
4: it took still took you years, almost decades, to uh, get somebody to listen. No, absolutely. Uh, we had a young lady um, on our show, uh, Joyce Ann Brown. You, uh, and Cliff, I know you remember her, wrongfully convicted of a crime uh, there in Texas. Uh, but she was very adamant, and her words were so profound Uh, she said she wasn't going to admit to anything she didn't know. We lost her uh, a short time ago. She passed away and we actually had an opportunity to say goodbye and we're going to play a clip of what she had to say uh, in regards to her voice not being heard. And she was very clear, even had an alibi and a time card punch
10: showing that she could not have in any way
4: committed the crime that she, that she was accused of. She spent time in prison shortly after getting out. She had some time out to help thank, thank God for her family, but gone too soon, without question, as she became an advocate. Let's see what she had to say. I would
6: never going to say I was sorry. I was never going to show remorse. I didn't have a reason. And I certainly was not going to admit to a crime that I didn't commit. So after maybe five years, I started preparing my family Mm -hmm. that I might just simply have to come out in a pine box. I didn't want them coming down, telling, asking me, uh, talking about it because there was no way that I was going to admit to a crime that I didn't
4: commit. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. As you hear the last words uh, on this program of Joyce Ann Brown, we come to you tonight very saddened that Miss Brown has passed away at the tender age of 68. Joyce actually appeared on this program and told us her story and the remarkable battle of courage that it took for her to come back from a wrongful conviction. Joyce Ann Brown, a longtime advocate for people who were wrongfully in prison, she died early Saturday morning. Her daughter, Coquise Spencer, said her mother had suffered a massive heart attack and stroke on Tuesday. Brown was being treated at Methodist Charlton Medical Center in Dallas. Again, she was 68 years old. Brown spent more than nine years in prison on an aggravated robbery conviction that was later overturned and eventually erased from her record. She founded the prisoner advocacy group, Mass, Mothers, Fathers for the Advancement of Social Systems. She was an assistant for a friend of Dallas County Commissioner John Wiley Price. She also wrote a book called Justice Denied and was profiled by the television show, 60 Minutes. To our friend, Joyce Ann Brown, we bid you farewell. And I can assure you, the legacy of Joyce Brown will continue. Goodbye, our dear friend, from all the staff and the AJC radio team. We sadly say goodbye. Rest in peace, Joyce Ann Brown. And there you have it. Joyce Ann Brown, as you heard her adamantly say she wasn't going to confess to anything that she did not do. And if you know and research the story and you can hear her complete interview with us at AJCRadio.com, adamant and taken from her kids, she said she thought she would leave prison in a box because nobody would hear and luckily somebody heard and she was set free nine years and to get out of prison have time with your family and be taken so soon there's a price for going unheard and we want to right now thank uh, her family and all that she did to contribute to bring about change in this country but we played that clip for one reason how long will we continue to not allowing prisoners, many of them not guilty to go unheard. Cliff, when you hear that, uh, Joyce, we considered a, a friend, very wonderful woman. It really makes you angry that our system is set up just to ignore people crying for help. And she, for years, pleaded, showed everything. that I mean, you can have more evidence pointing to
10: a not guilty
4: And they, act, they acted like What she had to say meant
10: nothing And I mean In her situation they were Definitely on a, on a witch hunt uh, When they came after her All of her evidence pointed to the fact I mean she, she wasn't even there uh, Nowhere near there like you say A time card punch showing that She was at work the time that the murder took place And but What it, uh, what it brings you to understand Is that the system is so hard and the, the people who work in it, that just like in her situation, you know, you have people on death row who are crying out saying, you know, there's no way I did this. Check the DNA. If you guys would just look at the evidence, it proves that I'm innocent. And you still have those in the system that are so hardened, uh, you know, by the system that it doesn't it doesn't even, you know, prick their conscience. It doesn't do anything. Right. It just They just look past it and say, you know, everybody cries innocent. And, uh, you know, when the innocent cry innocent, it's a whole nother situation. It's not just words.
4: Oh, absolutely. And uh, very special thanks to Johnny Lee Savory, Antoine Day, for joining us tonight on this program as they become advocates for justice and making a difference and helping, as they said, Johnny Savory, helping every person he can possibly help. Uh, His word eventually was heard. We need to address this issue and not let the unheard continue. Uh, Right now, we get ready for the IRP6. What you didn't know, we're going to continue the statements from David Banks and Gary Walker on the other side of this. What you didn't know about the IRP6 starts right now. I just calls has found something very interesting. A playwright by Judge H. Lee Surrigan about the RMP 6 It starts right now. Take a look.
8: My name is David Binks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything my business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom.
4: My name is Gary Walker, and I'm serving a sentence of 11 years in the same prison. Just an aside, not only were the six of all devout members of the same church, there was not a
10: single criminal charge or conviction among any of us for these
11: unbelievable events unfolded. My name is Clinton Stewart, and I'm serving a sentence of 10 years at the same prison in Colorado. It's fitting that we live, prayed, and work together that we should end up dying together, because that is what prison is for us and our families. I am
10: Kendrick Barnes, and I am serving a seven-year sentence at the same prison in Colorado.
4: I was the chief information officer at IRP Solutions,
10: the name of our company.
4: I testified. And then Gary objected. A Brook
8: broke out because Gary said our Fifth Amendment rights had been violated by compelling us to testify. The judge said she had not said anything of the kind and we demanded the transcript. We were all absolutely unanimous in our verbatim version of what she had said. She denied production of the transcript for that day and at the time, some 200 pages, but assured us that they would be produced at the end of the day. Transcript of that particular conversation in the courtroom between us and the judge has never been produced. I am Demetrius Harper, and I'm serving a 10-year sentence at the same prison. And then in June of 2009, four years later, they finally got a grand jury to indict us. This time, they only called one witness. FBI agent. And the old adage that
5: a
10: prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich was proven.
4: This is a production that sets the bar and takes a sincere look at the RP6 story. Judge H. Lee Serekin, retired federal judge, felt compelled to say something. We will not remain silent to see the full story, the full playwright of the RP6 tragedy Go to YouTube, search the race card. You don't want to miss it. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war.
6: They wanted people to sign non disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes they didn't want to do it. It's
3: strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just
6: absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? Mm. And then all of a sudden, your whole life is ripped apart.
1: What we
4: have learned is that the R.P. 6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare.
1: They were
5: floored that uh, they were even being raided.
0: Um, uh, it became very clear that the court appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it, it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution we constantly hear in the news
2: every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted and this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted you would think the media would jump all over it
6: justice is not fair anymore they say justice is supposed to be blind it's not blind it's not blind they pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send
4: is this happening in America The American dream of the rp 6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers. As justice lays idle in the streets of America, we look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org, sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. and there you have it what you didn't know about the RP6 six men wrongfully convicted they had a word but no one listened who are the RP6 Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper David Banks Kendrick Barnes Clinton Stewart and Gary Walker six men wrongfully convicted whose voices went unheard Dennis You have the words of Gary Walker at sentencing what he had to say. Let's hear what he had to say. We built software, we talked to agencies and literally your honor, we were expecting to close contracts any day. Every day we went into the office, we were looking for the phone call or the email that says, we are going to extend you this contract for a large sum of money. So when we first started out, if you remember at trial, we were initially talking with the Colorado Bureau of Investigations for about three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars that would have covered our staff in debt at that time. And going forward, looking at the marketing efforts we have with DHS, DOJ, NYPD and many other agencies, literally, literally, the thought was we are going to close one of these today, this week. And the talk in the office was, we are going to be able to pay our debts and go forward. So there was no mindset of criminality. There was no mindset of we are scamming these companies. The mindset is, we need to work hard to market this good product so that we can pay those debts. Now in my mind, that doesn't make me the same as other white collar criminals. This business was set to go forward to be successful. A viable business with a very good product. And although the people who testified from DHS said that they weren't that interested in the product, the meeting we went to exhibit high interest, very high interest, even to the point of them taking some of the functionality within the system we bought to include it in an RFI for their government-wide systems. So we had high hopes, high application of closing business, I will say it again any day now, and that was to pay debt. That was not for us to close business and go and buy a Bentley or to buy a home in in the Bahamas. It was to close the debt and go forward. And so part of what troubles me is that as defenders trying to defend ourselves, we were fully aware of all the limitations of presenting evidence. So some of the things I say today are being said because we couldn't say them at trial. And so I say, this is very important for you to understand, Your Honor, is we expected literally any day, any week to close that contract, to be able to pay on our debts. Any day now, that is my next point, is that something else we couldn't bring to trial is that based on our faith and our belief that we were Going to close that, being the will of God, that any day, literally, God would bring that contract that would give us the funds to pay our debts. And so part of that was just our own belief in the product we had. And part of that, which we couldn't introduce in trial, was just faith based. And there you have it the words of Gary Walker. Without question. His words went unheard. David Banks, we read part of his sentencing. I'm going to read one in part as well. And he continued. He said, I'm here today after Gary and Ken got sentenced, two of the RP6 men. With full knowledge, I was coming in here to get sentenced today. With some legal standard being tossed up and argued about whether I would flee. Cowards flee. Men fight. I don't flee. I believe in what we did. Do I believe we got in over our head? Some say you shouldn't have went elephant hunting. They say maybe we should have stuck to some smaller agencies. These guys at this level are ruthless and maybe we should have been going after a deer or something, but we believed in what we had. So with that being said, Judge, I don't think it's a lack of remorse to maintain your innocence. If the government didn't agree with the verdict, what are they going to do? They're going to make maintain, no, We are going to file something with the appellate court. We are going to do whatever. That is not disrespect for the law. We have an adversarial system. I know what is in my heart. I know what we did. I know what I did. I know what I was thinking. Whether anybody else in this court, in that jury knows what I was thinking, I know what I was thinking. And I would never intentionally engage in any sort of criminal activity whatsoever, ever. I wouldn't do it. The funny thing is, staffing companies, we thought the government was setting it up, contacted us between 2000, after the raid, 2006, some of the same staffing companies calling back to see if we would engage. We didn't get, right now we are not developing a product, so why would I engage with you at a staffing company? I don't get into schemes. We had a purpose, and the purpose was to develop software based on modifications, that was coming to us. There was no other reason to continue to maintain people. We already have people we have to pay. If we don't satisfy the government or these requests, they're not going to give us any business. We're not going to pay anybody. That was some of the mindset. So for what it's worth, Judge, I had one more point, but it's slipping by me. And I guess I will finally say, I don't know if you have owned a small business or been an entrepreneur. I am certainly, Mr. Kirsch, I didn't research your guys' history. I don't see any business-related experience, and to understand what a small business goes through, you talk about, well, we'll figure out a way. We are African-American. We went to bank after bank, Guarantee Bank, National Bank in Denver. We went to Pueblo Bank and Trust. At that time, Mr. Harper had good credit. We went everywhere trying to get credit. We talked to investors. Some investors were interested. Some wanted to take too much of the company, the big companies, we went there, wouldn't sign NDAs. They wanted to steal the software. Some said, is that all you're going to show us? We went through the game. So anybody who is going to sit here, I know I'm not a criminal in my heart and nobody is ever going to convince me of that. I, David Banks, engage in criminal activity. I don't care what Mr. Kerr says. I don't care what the FBI says. I know what is in my heart. And David Banks does not engage in criminal activity of any sort. Thank you, Your Honor. The prisoners had a word. No one would listen. But they're listening now. Congress is listening. As a just call sets out on a journey to bring the innocent home. And, Cliff, when you hear David's words, there's no question that these men are innocent.
10: That's right. You don't have that kind of conviction um, when you've done something wrong. It just doesn't happen. And again, you know, uh, David iterates the innocence of him and all the IRP6 with evidence on the table. And, you know, you don't have to just take my word for it, but look at the evidence that we brought, that Judge Arguello wouldn't allow him, that Matthew Kirsch, uh, you know, uh, twisted and, uh, you know, nullified. But he still, he lays it out saying, look, we had meetings with all of these places that we were courting for a contract. We were told, and this is the best they had ever seen. Uh, NYPD, the, the detective there that we were working with, says you know like david said we were that he was expecting for IP solutions to close uh, the closed business and he didn't understand why why it hadn't happened except for you know IP solutions was a small business or uh you know a minority business or some competitor was was in the mix but you when you look at what they said in those sentencing statements and how can how can uh convinced they were And the word, I mean, those are words that would convince anybody, especially when you add them to the fact that this is about debt collection. And uh, again, you know, you just you you would expect for a judge to take that into account. That's what the sentence statements are for. But as you see in the case of uh, Judge Christine Arguello, that uh, her personal reasons, her her vendetta, uh, you know, her um, working with Matthew Kirsch. It's just sickening and makes you, uh, you know, sick inside to say this is how twisted the system is. This is how broken that it really is, that um, you can have your innocence on the table and nobody nobody really pays any
4: attention. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure tonight. The Prisoner Has a Word. In 2017, early in the year, we will do part two of this show and hear from the voices of those that have been gone and take it from us who, who were Sincere about their innocence We'll pick it back up next year Ladies and gentlemen This is AJC Radio David Banks Demetrius Harper, Clinton Stewart Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo Demetrius Harper We hear you Good night America We'll see you next time
1: The prisoner wishes to say a word.
2: In a few hours' time, Troy Davis will have a lethal injection that will put an end to his life despite serious doubts whether he even committed the crime. His planned executions highlighted the divide over America's policy on the death penalty. Davis was convicted of killing off-duty police officer Mark McPhail 22 years ago, but witnesses who testified against him have since retracted their evidence.
0: We cannot believe that the Board of Pardons and Paroles is allowing a person to go to his death despite the fact that serious doubts about his guilt remain unresolved.
2: Almost a million people have signed a petition seeking clemency with supporters including former President Jimmy Carter, Pope Benedict XVI, and Nobel Peace Prize winner Desmond Tutu. Let this
3: be a case that not only Highlight the death penalty, but you know will hopefully be a big part of bringing the death penalty to an end in Georgia.
2: Civil rights activists suggest race played a part in his original conviction, and that death by execution is a step back to the old days of the Deep South. Prosecutors with it tonight, meaning the protesters' vigil could come to an end.
11: No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire. Huh?
11: Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Chumba. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.